Christ who has risen from the dead. So for many years in the history of the church, for the 50 days following Easter, the whole Easter season, the way that you would greet another Christian if you saw one in the street was with one person saying, Alleluia, Christ is risen, and the other person saying, the Lord is risen indeed, Alleluia, as we just sang. So, Alleluia, Christ is risen. Amen. It's appropriate to talk about children today after the baptism of two of the most beautiful children of it's record setting. But earlier this week, I got the following text message from the mother of Matt, a four-year-old in my previous parish. She said this, I was going through Holy Week with the kids, and I started to explain Good Friday. Poor Matt broke down in tears about Jesus dying. He was inconsolable. I tried to tell him that Jesus still lives in our hearts, and he said that Jesus couldn't because his heart was broken now. In the middle of it all, he wailed, does Ginger know? (laughs) So this was the first that Matt had heard about the crucifixion. And he thought that the crucifixion was the end of the whole story, that Jesus was dead. And being a really sweet little kid, he thought, well, if I'm having a hard time with this, Ginger's going to lose it completely. (laughs) And now clearly this points uh, to some major holes in our Christian education program at my former parish, which I I was responsible for, (laughs) um, unfortunately. But if you think about it, at one time or another, all of us make the same mistake that Matt did. We think the story's over, but really it's just the beginning. In a sense, Jesus' disciples were just like Matt. They thought that the crucifixion was the end. Luke tells us that after Jesus died, the male disciples holed up in a locked room, terrified that the authorities would come after them next. They'd given up everything for Jesus, and now he was dead, and they thought their lives were all over. The women disciples were braver, but they thought everything was over too. The only thing left for them to do, they thought, was to anoint Jesus' body for burial, to show his corpse the love and respect that he'd been denied in life. Of course, we have the advantage of knowing what happened next. We know that crucifixion wasn't the end. We know that after the crucifixion comes the resurrection. But when it comes to our own lives, we're very quick to draw a line under things, to presume an ending. A relationship with one of your siblings maybe gets worse and worse over time until finally you cut off all contact. That's it, we assume. We'll always be estranged. Or you're laid off, maybe in your late 50s. You think, sure, I might get another project here or there, but the interesting part of my professional life, it's all over. Or maybe you're busy and stressed. You've got three kids on five different sports teams, two aging parents with health problems, a job, a mortgage, you're completely overwhelmed, maybe a little bit angry, but you think, this is the life I've chosen, end of the story. It's so easy to assume that the situation that we're in right in this moment is final, that it will continue indefinitely just like this into the future. 
We tend to assume that the way we feel right this moment is the way that we will always feel. And the way that we see things right this moment is the way we'll always see things. We're quick to assume that the story is over, that no further change or development is possible. But after crucifixion comes the resurrection. We worship the God that brought Jesus back from the dead, the God who brings hope out of no hope. It's hard to imagine an ending more definitive than a corpse in a borrowed tomb. But the story isn't over. No story is over until God says that it's over. We assume that if we can't change the situation through our own efforts, we're stuck in it for good. But that ignores the possibility of God's action. God is at work in the world, bringing new possibilities, changing, transforming. Often our situations don't change, but our perspectives do. Or we face the same situation with new coping skills. As the old saying says, don't put a period where God has placed a comma. We worship the God of the resurrection. That doesn't mean we should keep pounding at closed doors, hoping that God will eventually give us what we want, because there will always be parts of our lives that don't work out. There are sort of subplots in our stories that will work out ambiguously or even sadly. What God promises isn't the resurrection of every hope and dream that we have. He doesn't promise that every part of the story has a happy ending. But rather what God offers us is a chance for our small individual stories to become a part of the larger story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's when we draw near to that story, when we start trying to live like Jesus lived and love like he loved, that's when our lives begin to conform to the pattern of resurrection. Endings become less final. New hope emerges. Transformation and new possibilities start to spring up. And this happens because our story is coming into line with the pattern of that larger divine story. There'll, be st- there'll still be loose ends, certainly, in our lives. But as we grow in faith, the main plot of our story becomes the story of resurrection. The closer we get to Jesus, to living and to loving like Jesus did, the more our story becomes like his story. Our little lives get taken up into the larger narrative of what God is doing in the world. We become a part of God's story, the story of the resurrection, not just of Jesus, but of the whole world. And that's what we celebrate tonight, God's resurrection and our resurrection. New life, hope, redemption. So when things seem stuck or hopeless or when part of your life seems to be ending, remember that we worship the God who raised Jesus from the dead. Our stories are part of that larger story of resurrection. So this is not the end. It is just the beginning. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Amen.